Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I'm Josh. And I'm Jimmy. And we are pumped, to say the least, Yes. to have Dr. Emerson Egrich on the show. Dr. Egrich, thanks for joining us. Well, no, we're excited that uh, uh, hopefully the result of this will not be a paradox. <laughs> Ain't exactly. that the truth? You know, I, and I think clear. I speak on behalf of of all of America. My, what I've I was I was joking was talk, talking to to Emerson before we started, and I was telling him that I I think I may have taught love and respect more times than he has taught <laughs> love and respect over the years, uh, in just in churches and different places. I always wanted to ask you: Did being named Emerson cause you any problems growing up? <laughs> <laughs> and this coming from two clinical psychologists, I'm suddenly breaking out into to sweat. Actually, I was named after my father. Uh, he, he was Emerson Edwin Egrich, and, and I was Emerson Edwin Egrich Jr. And I said when I was in first grade, by the time I got my paper signed with my name, recess was over. <laughs> Very nice. So Emerson completed his studies in child and family ecology at Michigan State University. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Love and Respect. He and his wife, Sarah, presented live audiences around the country with their Love and Respect conferences. As well as a communication expert, uh, Emerson also has spoken to groups with the NFL, NBA, PGA, Navy SEALs, as well as members of Congress. Which is, I think you're going to be very comfortable today because if you could see Josh and I, we're very similar to Navy SEALs. Just with an added 40 pounds. I could just, I could just sense the masculinity and the strength and just, yep. yeah. The, the... We, we give off sort of a black ops vibe. <laughs> so Emerson's latest book is entitled The Four Wills of God, The Way He Directs Our Steps and Frees Us to Direct Our Own. Emerson, tell us about the book. Well, I had the privilege of uh, being a pastor, senior pastor, for nearly 20 years in East Lansing, Michigan, a college town, Michigan State University, there are the Spartans. And I was asked to study the Bible 30 hours a week for the teaching ministry. They brought me in to do that. And, of course, that gave me a lot of time to focus in on Scripture. And uh, as a result, you know, and over the years I kind of knew this, but over the last four decades I have focused in, um, particularly in my pastoral counseling, on four passages that identify the will of God. This is the will of God. Now, we know there's more to the will of God than these four passages, but these four passages are matchless. They are unparalleled. There are no other verses that specifically identify God's will in the way that these do. And uh, as I always say, there's more to God's will than these four, but if I ignore these four, I'll probably ignore the rest. Sure. And I've kind of taken a position for my own life as well as in my pastoral counseling. Hey, let's start here. How are we doing on these four? There's more mm-hmm. to it than these four, but it's like a map. And there it is. Start here. This is where we start. And uh, Sarah, my wife, and I have been married 44 years. We start here again and again and again. But it's like these are highlighted in gold, and it's very, very exciting. And I take the position that, based on 1 John 3.22, 
whatever we ask of him, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. In other words, this verse is saying God has his universal will, his commandments, but he also responds to us uniquely when we ask him to. And the point that I make is, if I follow his universal will of God, it'll trigger my experience of the unique will of God. That uh, is stated again and again in this new book, The Four Wills of God. I tell story after story after story of people who align themselves with these four wills and how they began to experience the unique will of God in their life. But I also make the point that, you know, the prophets in the Old Testament, sometimes 30 years would pass between miracles. So it's not like God is going to do something uniquely every day. He won't, and he doesn't. It's not part of the overall scheme of the kingdom. So the question then is, do I go through door A or door B if he's not uniquely telling me? And I make the point that if I'm aligned with these four wills, I'm doing his will. And so I'm free to go to door A or door B as long as I continue to follow these four wills and I can relax. There's tremendous freedom. Some people have this paralysis of analysis, and they they just they get stuck. And yeah. I take the position that you're free. You are free. Relax. Yes. There's a ton of anxiety wrapped up. And I know also just for young adults, I remember throughout college, from probably 18 to 21, I was consumed with that angst, just trying to, for the very first time in my life, determine God's will. So there can be so much anxiety wrap up. You mentioned the the explicit will, the unique will. Kind of describe both of those so that listeners kind of have a, a good view of what the unique will of God might be. Well, the unique will of God compared to the universal will of God is, you know, people say, I want to know what God's will is for my life. And I say, that's an excellent question. But the better question is, what is God's will? In other words, there was a revelation given prior to my birth, and that revelation will be there after my death. And so in one sense, I'm irrelevant. What has God said? For instance, John 640, Jesus said, it is the will of my Father that you behold and believe in, in me, his Son, and that uh, you'll receive eternal life. Believing in Jesus Christ is the Father's will, and uh, that is something that he calls every person to, every culture down through the ages. That is his universal will that he extends to all of humanity, and uh, we are to respond to that. But then the question about the unique will of God is that, what does the Lord intend for me to do personally? Should I go to this school or that school? Or you were saying, Josh, you know, do I... You were at 18 to 21 trying to figure out where do I head, what do I do, and that's that personal uh, intervention of God. We see in the Psalms, we see his promise for guidance, Uh, the Proverbs talk about this, this unique uh, leading, Uh, and it's unique. I mean, it'll be similar to other people, but only your name is written in the Book of Life, and there is a unique Abba Father relationship that makes it very precious to us, and so the unique dimension is that personal direction of our lives. But I take the position that we, we mustn't get ahead of God. Uh, we must, first of all, figure out what He's calling us to do, uh, and, and, and He calls all of us to do. And I believe when we align ourselves with that, then we can ask whatever, and He will reveal it to us. Sometimes I know that other than this question of what is God's will for my life is, is I don't know, maybe one of, if not the most asked questions by a believer in their life. And for you to tackle such an enormous theological issue 
that is so pertinent to virtually every believer. Was it when you felt led of God to write about this, was was there ever a time that it was a little daunting that I'm going to be tackling such a large, important topic? Oh, excellent question, Jimmy. And I think the answer to that is I've been working on it for 40 years. I, I knew these four passages when I was in my 20s. I'm now in my 60s. And so all through the years of ministry, I've been meditating. In fact, I had written this up several years back, and it was on my shelf, because I had the Love and Respect Marriage Conference, and you know, in the publishing industry called a brand. And once you have a brand, you get stuck in it. But mm-hmm. I, I didn't intend to do marriage conferences. I'm, a, I'm more of a systematic theologian for laity. I see myself as systematizing Scripture. What does Scripture say about this topic? And I happened to address marriage, and this thing kind of went viral. But I have other issues that I've been thinking about. I chose not to write anything until I was 50 years old. So I waited. And so part of what I did is I meditated for years on these four passages, tried to apply it in my counseling, tried to apply it in my own life. So it was daunting in one sense, and yet uh, it wasn't something that I felt pressured by. I just kept thinking about it, reworking it, thinking about it, praying about it, applying it. That's why this is part of my life message and why my daughter Joy She's really the one that says, Dad, we need to get this message out, because the message helped her so much, and Mm -hmm. she's the one that's been driving it and uh, contacted Lifeway about this, and of course, they got really excited about it. Jimbo, did you hear that someone is actually paying us to do an ad? Wait a second. Somebody is paying us? Say what? Who are these people? It is actually our old alma mater, Howard Payne University. HPU. HPU. STEM jackets win. You know a it. A fine education bathed in, in a Christian atmosphere. Oh. A Christian yeah, atmosphere is what it's bathed in. Yep. But it's this time, it's Howard Payne with a twist, because they actually have expanded to New Braunfels. Oh, that's right. They opened a new campus in New Braunfels in 2012. And they have three different degree options. One option is an associate's degree in Christian studies, which is designed for bivocational ministers and busy schedules. Just a short drive south of Austin, just a short drive north of San Antonio. They're also offering four bachelor's degrees, one in business, one in Christian studies, one in criminal justice, and one in general studies. And there are whispers. Jimbo, you gotta whisper this. That's why I'm whispering. There are whispers that there are new degrees coming in 2019. And one last thing not to forget, there are two master's programs, Mm -hmm. one in business administration, MBA, and one in criminal justice, MCJ. I am pumped we get to spread the news about a Christ-centered higher education in Central Texas, which is provided by Howard Payne University, New Braunfels. For more information about HPU New Braunfels, go to hputx.edu backslash New Braunfels. You can also find them on Instagram and Twitter at hpunb. And Facebook is HPUTX New Braunfels. Sting them jackets win. Get your stinger up, Josh. It's, it always stays up. So, you know, when you have a, a book like Love and Respect that everybody in, the, in our counseling offices, when we'll mention this is, you know, this is one of the foundational books. If you're getting married or if you're struggling in your marriage, you know, these are the books that we really recommend. You know, Love and Respect is one of those that everybody ought to have. It's so universally understood and acceptable and accessible for a 33-year-old mom who might have, you know, a, a couple of toddlers. And they look at a book that, you know, Love and Respect, how that's going to help my marriage, got it. What would you say to that young mom, that young dad with small kids, and they look at this book on the shelf how do you hope 
it will help them should they decide to delve into it? Well, I think as you referenced earlier, perhaps this question, what is God's will or God's will for my life, is the most important question Mm -hmm. a believer asks. And I think there is a hunger, a deep Mm -hmm. hunger in that mother who's 33 with several young children under five. Uh, It doesn't really make any difference who we are. It comes back to this issue of, Lord, am I doing your will? What is your will? How do I discern this? And that pressure, that desire is on all of us. And so my word to her is, look, you may feel like you're trapped, you know, kind of thing. Maybe you had aspirations Mm -hmm. to go one direction, and now you have all these responsibilities in the home. And am I missing God's will? Absolutely not. Because I talk about these four wills, believing in Jesus Christ, abstaining from sexual sin, giving thanks in everything, and submitting and doing what's right. And I put it in an acronym called BAGS, B-A-G-S, believing, abstaining, giving thanks, and submitting. And this is the godly baggage, so to speak, that we should all have. We talk about the baggage. Well, this is good baggage. And she can, every day, be actively trusting Christ, walking in moral purity, giving thanks in these frustrating moments, and continue to do what is right, even though she's tempted maybe to do what's wrong. If she continues to do that, she is responding to what is on God's heart. And I believe that the Lord will respond to what's on her heart. That's the nature of our father-child relationship. And I would just encourage her, keep her heart turned on those things. Don't turn away from those things. Continue to abide and just let's see what God does in response to your unique petitions. But even if he doesn't respond in a way that seems visible to you, you're not missing his will. You're doing it as you actively trust him, walk in that moral purity, give thanks, and continue to submit daily in doing what is right. You're in the center of his will. Relax. In the book, you address this, you know, a lot of Christians, most Christians are out there asking, what is God's will for my life? But you said, that's actually, you should be asking that second, first you know, ask, what is God's universal will? And you've kind of certainly spoken uh, around this, but why is that the important question to ask first? Well, if, if people are like me, I'm, I'm very self-focused. <laughs> I'm self-centered, <laughs> you know. And I've also, through the years, though, people have come to me and, you know, a couple, are, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to know, we're trying to discern whether God wants me to get married. And I was always tender as a pastor. I, I appreciated the fact that they came to me, but it came out that they were actively sexually involved. And, you know, we know the world doesn't agree with this. They see that view as antiquated. But most Christ followers know that they ought not to be having sexual intimacy, even though we come up with all kinds of rationalizations for hooking up. When I sit down with individuals personally and privately who know the Lord, they will say to me they know it's wrong. I haven't had anybody really deny that on a personal, private counseling level. They usually have a tenderness. They just feel tempted, and they feel like they're giving in, they feel weak. And I get all that. But then I say to them, you know, look, you're coming to me to try to discern God's will on this relationship. That's right, Pastor. We're trying to figure out whether we should get married or not. I said, I get it. But you're not responding to the will that he's already revealed to you right. on sexual purity. There, yeah. First, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 4, 3. And so you're getting the cart before the horse, and here's what I say to them. Do you really want to know God's will for your life, or do you just want God to confirm your will for your life? And we have to be honest about that, because all of us need to acknowledge that we have uh, impure motives. So that's where you align this in the way that I've done. Now, that's a tougher illustration, and some people say the book isn't going to sell in millennials because of that, and mm-hmm. I say I don't believe that. I believe that there are young mm-hmm. people out there who love Christ 
and want to follow his will. And this is very, very exciting to them. It is interesting, and as I kind of joke about how many times I've taught love and respect, to your point, I've been really, uh, I'm not really shocked anymore, but I have been over the past few years, how many of those classes are made up of, of young people that are living together. They, you know, they want to understand the, the concept of love and respect each other, and they want their relationship to be Christ-honoring while the entire time they're living together and, and having a sexual relationship months and months, if not years, prior to marriage. That's correct, and that's where our challenge as pastors is to say to them, we get it. We know what the culture is saying to you. The mm-hmm. culture is saying to you, if you don't live together, you're, you're not going to really know if you're compatible, etc. I, I can yep. come up with 50 more reasons why you can justify living together, financial reasons. I mean, they're all out there. But at the end of the day, each person has to come back to themselves and say, is Christ really responding to me on a personal level, or do I know deep in my conscience mm-hmm. that what I'm doing is wrong, and I don't have the internal uh, courage to align myself? There is a price to pay with the four wills, but I say the benefit on the other side. I mean, Billy Graham just died, and one of the things that was recognized, he walked in moral purity. He was on the road a great deal, but he set up that God honored this man. And each of us has to come to a point where we ask ourselves, how badly do I want to be used of God? How badly do I want to be fit for the Master's use, which is a quote of what the Apostle Paul said. And each of us has to come to that crossroads. And I believe people listening to you are those who want God's will for their life, and therefore they'll respond to this message, because it, it is the, the benefit is well worth any momentary sacrifice. Woo, Pastor, that'll preach. I tell you, that's um, it's interesting. I know that your four wills are based specifically on specific Scripture, but why do you think God tied His will to sexual sin and, and not embezzling or just being a jerk or other sinful behaviors, but specific to sexual sin? Well, and that's an excellent question, and I think, you know, the same thing. Why Why? Why must we give thanks? I mean, First Thessalonians four three is the reference there. You know, it is the will of God your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Then you've got First Thessalonians five eighteen and everything give thanks. But this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And then First Peter two verses thirteen through fifteen talks about submitting to the authorities primarily, but it's submitting and doing what is right. And uh, people ask, really, uh, interestingly, they all kind of land one or in, not just always sexual. Many people say, I have a problem with submission. Others, Mm -hmm. people say, I just have a real problem with giving thanks. And the question is, why would God ask us to give thanks or be morally pure or or submit in doing what is right? And uh, I do know that pastors of megachurches have said to me, these are the four areas that cause people to come see us for pastoral counseling. And you may agree, as clinical psychologists, people are struggling with issues of faith. Uh, and is Christ who he claims to be? What does it mean to trust him? Then this issue of sexual purity and, and issues related to sensuality and addiction. And then the whole issue of circumstances are bad, and I'm bitter, and I'm unforgiving, and I don't want to give thanks, and I'm not going to give thanks. Or, you know, this idea of submitting what's doing what's right, I, I, I've got bad people in my life, I'm not, you know, and, and, and I can get away with doing wrong, and it's to my benefit. Why would I, why would I submit in doing what's right when it's not to my benefit? Right. Why would I do this? These are the issues that I think people deal with on a, on a daily basis. Now, the question you're asking, why sexual purity? Paul talks about somehow this sexual sin is a sin against our own body, that there is something unique about this. And Paul makes this statement, and we see throughout the New Testament ongoing emphasis on this. This is no small issue, and this is why it becomes a real challenge for some people. Either they're going to live by Hollywood, or they're going to live by the Holy Word. 
in closing, we'd love to, you to, to speak. We've already obviously mentioned it's your love and respect material and book. We'd love to, uh, for the audience member that is not necessarily aware. Tell us about your, your love and respect concept. Well, Sarah and I have been doing the, the conference since 1999 when I saw in Ephesians 5.33 that a husband must love his wife and a wife must respect her husband. And, of course, the second part of that verse is the controversial one because women don't feel respect. They're not going to be a hypocrite. They don't see him as deserving it. But we unpack what that means and how this empowers a woman. And though we all need love and respect equally, we've asked this question of 7,000 people. When you're in a conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved at that moment or disrespected? And 83% of the men, Jimmy and Josh, said they feel disrespected. And 72% of the women say they feel unloved. So we talk about the felt need at the conference. And what we then saw is a connection with love and respect. <laughs> when a wife feels unloved, she tends to react in a way that feels disrespectful to her husband. And when a husband feels disrespected, he tends to react in a way that feels unloving to her. And this gives birth to the crazy cycle. Without love, she reacts without respect. And without respect, he reacts without love. And then without love, she reacts without respect. And this baby starts to spin among couples of goodwill. There is an evil intent. And Sarah and I have been campaigning on helping couples understand that crazy cycle and how to jump off of it. If you want more information about Emerson, go to loveandrespect.com. Emerson, thanks for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Josh. Emerson Egrich, everybody. When he came out with a theology book, I was like, Emerson, stay in your lane. But he said... That's really his lane. Yes, that's his lane. Yeah. The thing you that know, he's famous for... <laughs> marriage and family book, and I had no intention of, yeah. of being a relationship expert. But what's interesting is he's, he's sort of done it again. Love and Respect takes those, those passages out of Ephesians that everyone's read a gazillion times, and he just sort of brings life and reality into them. And the four wills of God, those passages of Scripture... You know, anyone who's been in church for a while, they've heard those a thousand times. And this book just once again takes things that are kind of right in front of our face and breathes new life and new relevance into them. Yeah, and he mentioned the universal will of God. Mm -hmm. I called it the explicit. But if you're doing what God tells you to do in Scripture... There's no question about it. Yeah, then there's (laughs) actually freedom, you know, in God's unique will for me. And that's something I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I stressed and stressed and stressed and had sleepless nights in my early 20s regarding what's God's unique path for me. I remember you calling me from Bosnia, Uh, Macedonia, Macedonia, and your kind of covert mission activity over there one summer. It's struggling with that very thing. And to understand it, if you're doing what he says in Scripture, you know, not murdering people, Mm -hmm. abstaining from sexual sin. You had to give up being a Chippendale dancer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, when you were young mm -hmm. in order to follow. That then, whether you specifically need to get married to this person or whether you specifically need to go to the mission field or whether you specifically need to, yeah, (laughs) you know, you have three jobs to choose from. Kind of, there's freedom if you're mm-hmm. if you're doing God's universal will. Kind of like you know, good. Mark Twain. He said, "It's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things in the Bible I do understand that bother me." And you know, his explicit will. There's no question about that. There's nothing hard to understand about that. You can be doing those things and say, "Whoop! I'm right in the middle of God's will for my life because I'm doing what is universally understood to be His will." You say all that to say. And to his point, you know, this is actually a very practical book for you. No matter where you are in life, 
you do not have to be some pinheaded theologian in some cubicle in a theological library to get this. He wrote it specifically so that the just the average Joe Blow believer can grab a, grab a hold of it and, it and it truly benefit his life. So if you want more information about the four wills of God, Emerson's latest book, as well as just any of his love and respect material, it is loveandrespect.com. It's all spelled out. If you want more information about this episode or any of our previous episodes, you can go to paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find our socials there. We'd love it if you'd review the show, if you'd also share the show. We thanks for you guys for listening. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Is there something about such factors as privilege, high levels of parental income, education, involvement, and expectations that can combine to have a toxic rather than the expected protective effect on kids. Ouch.